we're going to begin reading. Oh, appreciate that great singing and that great work. Praise God. All right, starting in verse number 9, 2 Kings and 5. Amen. And I got confused. My Bible is so marked up that I wrote down the wrong scriptures. Okay? So... I want us to go to verse number 8. Same chapter, but verse number 8. And it was so when Elijah, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him now come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman, this is where I needed to be, so Naaman, came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. Seems pretty cut and dry to me. But Naaman was wroth like that answer. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Parapai rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So we turned and went away in a rage. Now, the Bible never speaks good about wrath and rage. Verse number 13, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, the prophet, had bid thee to do some great thing. Wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then Naaman he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Verse 14, we're going to read that again. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And I want to talk to us for a few moments today. Just do it. Look at your neighbor and say, just do it. One more time, let's pray. Let's lift our voices. Come on. There's a lot of faith here. The supernatural is already at work in this building. Come on, somebody. Lift your voice. There's healing in this building. There's deliverance in this building. There's salvation in this building. There's salvation. There's power. There's glory. The promises of God are in this building. God, we believe you, we trust you, we look to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.
God bless you. You may be seated. This is an incredible story in the Word of God. It's a very famous story. And you know, there's so many miracles in the Word of God. I haven't counted them, but there's multiplied, multiplied many miracles that are found in the Word of God. And I already feel in my spirit this morning with the incredible praise and worship and the attendance of faith that is present in this room today. You have to understand that one of the reasons why we do things the way we do things is not just that we are operating off of a program. This church does not operate off of a program. But we set the atmosphere prepared in which the power of the Holy Ghost can work among people. All of the preparation that has gone into this service today, prayer before we pulled up into the parking lot, and then, of course, prayer at 10.30 a.m., and then, of course, worship and praise, is cultivating an atmosphere and an environment where people can begin to believe that God can do what God said he will do. The problem with modern-day denominationalism is they do not believe the God of the book of Acts and the God of the Bible. But ladies and gentlemen, you have walked into a church to believe that God is still a waymaker, and God is still a healer, and God is still a living Savior, and God is still in the power of the Holy Ghost. for a church to set the right atmosphere and the right tone in which people coming out of this present culture can, can come to the minimum requirements which where God will do something means that the church has got to take the initiative to set the environment where there are, are angels in attendance and there is faith that is already operating in the invisible. You may have walked into this building today saying, well, I really didn't expect to make a decision, and I really didn't anticipate God doing anything. But I want to tell you that there are people among you, maybe you're sitting right next to somebody, they believe that God can heal you of your cancer, and God can deliver you of your situation, and God can bring you out with a mighty hand, and God can keep you out with a mighty hand. Oh, clap your hands and give him praise. Oh, somebody praise him. With the tentacles of denominationalism, moving even amongst carnal Pentecostalism, it is incumbent upon the church of the living God to be able to make the distinction of saying that we are refusing to follow the practices of a 21st century but we are rather going to be founded within the book of Acts 
Because you have to understand that the book of Acts, outside of the book of Revelation, is the only book in the New Testament that does not have a benediction. It does not have an ending. It does not have an addendum. It ends in the evangelistic journey as the apostles are led by the Holy Ghost. But you are in Spokane, Washington, within the chapters of the book of Acts. You are within the realm of the supernatural. You are within Oh, I need somebody to believe what I'm saying today. Our story is found in a very famous and somewhat status quo condition of the nation of Israel. It was under leadership that had fallen into idolatry by the leadership of Ahab and Jezebel. And there are many stories that are found in 1st and 2nd Kings, even continuing into 1st and 2nd Chronicles, although 1st and 2nd Chronicles is more historical and matter-of-fact and lacks a lot of the nuances that we find in 1st and 2nd Kings, where you have the operation of the prophets of God. And here in this situation, God has allowed the Syrian army, and this is, as I said, this has become status quo among God's people. God never intended to have Gentile nations coming and squatting on God's territory and taking tribute from God's people. But God used Gentile nations, be it the Philistines, the Syrians, or whoever, And he used them as a chastening rod to bring his people back into alignment. And this is where we find the story. The Syrian army is now right front and center in the nation of Israel. And the king of Israel is in a quandary because they don't have that type of walk with God that would give them confidence that when the enemy shows up, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible said that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But you got to walk the walk and talk the talk. My Bible says when the enemy rushes in like a flood, that God will raise a standard against him. The enemy might be parked in my driveway, but he can't get in the house. He can't come in the front door. He can't come in the back door. There's more God on the inside than there is sin on the in- Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. of Israel is in a quandary. Now, the reason why this scripture is so notable and this story is so notable is because it is one of two examples that is quoted by the Lord Jesus Christ as he goes into the synagogue in Luke chapter number four at the beginning of his ministry. And I just, this is probably the only scripture that I'll ask you to turn to today, but if you could turn to Luke chapter number four. Jesus has already quoted a magnificent promise that is found uh, in the book of Isaiah where 
The Spirit of God is upon him to preach uh, good tidings or the gospel to the poor. And God has come, sent him to bind up the brokenhearted. And God has sent him to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Every single one of those magnificent works of God involve the inner man. Whereas the Old Testament dealt with the outer man, the New Testament deals with the inner condition of humanity. And all of these wonderful promises that are found in verse number 18 in your Bible, where Jesus said, he, he turns to the prophet Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, the nation of Israel has been looking at that wonderful promise for hundreds of years. But now this stranger that is now invited to the front to read, they've only known him as just Joseph's son. But now he is making an incredible proclamation in a group of people that never expected anything beyond just another church service to take place. Look at verse 20, and he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, today, this day. Everybody said today. Everybody said this day. Is this scripture fulfilled now, what that means is that's no, there's no longer a promise of what is coming. The promise is here. I about blew a fuse several moments ago, and I told my wife every time you guys sing that song, there are probably some people that are visiting here saying, surely that guy jumping around can't be the pastor. I'm going to tell you, honey, I still jump around when the Holy Ghost gets to moving. There ain't no dignified spirit around here. But I almost always blow a fuse when they get to that scripture that said that settles it. That settles it. I don't care what your flesh says. That I don't care what your mama says. I don't care what your daddy says. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what your husband says. I don't care what backsliders say. I don't care what the world says. That settles it. That settles it. It's no longer a promise. It's here. It's here. It's here. Clap your hands and give him praise. The nation of Israel had been reciting many of these promises for hundreds and hundreds of years with no expectation of fulfillment, with no anticipation of fulfillment, just continuing one day after another and just another day in the synagogue. And Jesus said, this day, today, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? And all bear him witness 
and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And here's where it changes direction. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Which means they had become so familiar with Jesus sitting on a pew that when he got up and made this proclamation, instead of them focusing on the promises of the word of God, they were focused on the person that gave the message. Honey, I don't care if you've seen people like Brother Hood raised in this church. When he gets behind the pulpit, he's a man of God. When he's walking through the building, he's a man of God. That settles it. That settles it. You keep looking at the past, looking for error and mistake to lower them down to familiarity. But God said, that's what the blood's for. That's what the grace is for. That's what forgiveness is for. That's what the cross is for. Clap your hand to give him praise. That settles it. Look at your neighbor and say, that settles it. That settles it. That settles it. Instead of them believing that the wonderful things that God has promised are now within my reach, they focused on human instrumentation because the fallen nature of man always gravitates towards the lowest common denominator. But when you come into the church of the living God, we look for redemptive lift. I was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. I was a sinner. But now God's made me a saint. Come on, somebody raise your eyes. Elevate your view. And look at things like God does. Clap your hands and give him praise. When Jesus heard this, isn't that Joseph's son? Looking down there long, hey, wake up. Isn't that Joseph's son? Verse 23. And Jesus said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also in thy country. Meaning, you're going to hear what God is doing in other places. And you're going to ask me to do it here. But I tell you, but I'm sorry, verse 24 Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Now, Cornerstone, in the last 24 months, we have started four daughter works. Some of them are getting a little bit of traction. Some of them are getting a whole lot of traction. But, honey, we're just rejoicing that the kingdom of God is getting traction. 
don't you look down your nose and grab their cheek like some little whippersnapper and say, I remember that they used to be an idiot and I remember they used to make mistakes. Honey, when God gets on a person, they're a prophet in their own country. But you got to train your carnality. I'm not going to look at people like the devil does. I'm not going to look at people like fallen humanity. I'm going to look at people like God does. Clap your hands and give them praise. Instead of speaking negativity, why don't you speak faith? People need the gospel. People need to go to heaven. People need a witness. People need a messenger. People, if the Lord should tarry, you're going to see people sitting in this congregation that God's going to elevate to be used to Him. There's always somebody in the crew that is feeling condemned and convicted when they see somebody else actually doing something with their life. And so when that person stands up to be used to God, their flesh, their attitude always want to Want to get their coattail? You sit back down. I know what you was 10 years ago. You need to turn around and slap their hand away and say, that's what the blood's for. That's what the blood's for. That ain't me. That was me. That's not me anymore. That was me. I once was lost, but I made a choice. I answered the call. I believed God. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet and say, God, I'm going forward. Somebody needs to praise him right now. So Jesus is reminding the nation of Israel of two examples of exactly where they were in their present condition. And he says, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Because, and I'd like to add as an addendum to that, because of the level of familiarity. You're saying I'm just Joseph's son, but before it's all over, you're going to know me as the son of God. You may know me as Joseph's son right now. But before it's all over, you're going to recognize that I am God manifest in the flesh. When I go back to, to Sacramento in my home church, they said, you know what? We already know what you have become because we've seen what God has done with your life and everybody rejoices together because everybody played a part. And Jesus said in verse number 25, but I tell you the truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. Does God care about widows? Oh, read the Old Testament. They, be, they were to be wards of the state. A woman that was indeed truly a widow. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. Forty-two months while the prophet proclaimed judgment against Ahab and Jezebel. And there were widows that died of starvation. 
when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon. Sidon! Sidon is north of God's country. Sidon is completely out of holy boundary. God, if you're going to feed any widows, why don't you feed it here? Because they were under leadership. And many lepers, verse 27, this is where Naaman comes in. And many lepers, does God care about lepers? There are several scriptures, several passages of scripture that detail the quarantine of the leper that are found in the Mosaic writings. There were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed or healed, saving a Gentile by the name of Naaman, the Syrian. You see, who you're under and where you're at has everything to do of whether these promises are available to you. Let's lift our hands right now and give God the praise. We've got people under the sound of my voice. You, you, you don't even think you need a pastor. You already think you know enough. You already think uh, God knows my heart. I, I'm just fine like I am. I'm going to tell you right now. You better listen to the man of God. They wouldn't listen to him in the synagogue. They wouldn't listen to him. Naaman wouldn't listen to him. Nobody would listen to him. But that is only where healing is available. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. Telescopically, let's step back, step back and do a macro view of this. We've done a micro view. Let's do a macro view. Jesus is saying these wonderful inner healings and deliverance and renewal and restoration and regeneration is only available just like it was when there was a widow outside of the nation of Israel and there was a leper that was outside of the nation of Israel. And he uses the very scripture that we have used as our text today. And so going back to 2 Kings, let's look at our friend Naaman. Naaman, of course, is the captain of the host of the Syrians. He is a Gentile. He has absolutely no claim to any of the Jewish blessings or any of the promises that are in this book. He is a Gentile enemy. But Naaman has, he's already taken some of the Jews and he's already exploiting them as being under his control. And one of them was a little Jewish maid that was in his house. And while Naaman is struggling with this incurable disease, because you have to understand that leprosy was considered to be incurable. Leprosy is indicative of a condition of sin. Young man, you're in this building today. 
you cannot get you cannot get rid of sin on your own. You're not you're never going to get healed of that. You're never going to get cleansed of that. You're never going to distance yourself. Young lady, you're never going to get free of those conditions. That's why leprosy was it was considered incurable. It's like a type of AIDS in our modern day culture. And she overheard Naaman saying how much he now was a leper and he needed people to console him and he needed to talk to an undertaker and he needed to get his insurance policy together and he needed to get his house in order and he needed to, to get his children taken care of. And, and while all this is going off, a maid said, you know what, there is a man of God in Israel. There is a man of God. And this man of God has done twice the miracles of his predecessor, Elijah. And so finally, Naaman said, well, I've, I've got to find this prophet. I've got to find out who this man is and where he is. And so he saddled up his beast of burden. He had some of his attendants with him. And they end up at the house of Elijah. Now, he's the head knocker. Nobody in Israel is higher than Naaman. He is the captain of the host that has Israel right under his thumb. And he knocks on the door. And a messenger from the prophet answers the door, goes back and talks to the prophet, tells him who's at the door, and the messenger comes back to the door and says, The prophet said, if you'll go to Jordan and dip seven times, that your skin will become clean. And you'll basically, I'm paraphrasing, you'll become clean. And he was mad. The door closed. I can see him walking back to his horse. And he's, he's kicking a rock, and he's getting ready to hit somebody, and he's, he's upset. I'm a man of importance. I've got, I could take anybody's head off. I could take any of their possessions. I could do anything I want around here. And this prophet that lives, uh, lives on this side of town, he's on the other side of the tracks. He won't even come to the door. He won't even come out and greet me. I'm somebody important. He sends some little messenger. He sends some little two-bit preacher. He sends some Pentecostal preacher. Just do it! How bad you want your healing? Clap your hands and give God the praise. How bad you want God to bring the backsliders home? How God, how bad you want God to move? How bad you want that answer fulfilled? How long you gonna live with your disease? How long you gonna live a second class citizen instead of claiming the promises that are absolutely yours? By the time he got to his horse, the Bible said he was full of wrath. 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 He walked into his palace or his house or whatever it was, started kicking stuff, started muttering stuff under his breath, and his servant said, 
if he had asked you to do something where you could get some visibility, you'd have been okay with that. If he'd have come out and done your little Obi-Wan, Kenobi, Open Sesame, Abracadabra, T.D. Jakes, Benny Hinn, you'd have done that. Out in front of a big crusade where there's tens of thousands of people where we can make a big show about it, you'd have been okay with that. But you got a problem with the simplicity of obedience. The reason why some of you ain't healed is you haven't obeyed yet. The reason why you're not delivered, you still haven't done what God said. Just do it! My God, somebody clap your hands. My God, somebody lift your voice. My God, just do it! You still won't obey. How bad's it got to get? Come on, lift your voice. Clap your hand. How bad's it got to get? How many people have got to backslide? How bad's the depression got to get? How many problems you got to have? Clap your hands. Lift your voice. Give God the praise. Just do it. No, you haven't clapped enough. Let's praise him. It's so easy to get a miracle. It's so easy to get a healing. Whatsoever you ask in my name. Aren't you tired of fussing? Aren't you tired of fighting? Aren't you tired of bickering? Aren't you tired of the bitterness? Just do it. You may be seated. Not is not the church I'm regularly attending good enough? I've already been baptized. I've already been to the rivers of Damascus. Is not that good enough? Isn't my little prayer good enough? Isn't my pitiable little cry good enough? No. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God's not looking for your pitiable prayer. God's looking for somebody to obey. Do I even need to keep preaching? Do I even need to go on? Do I even need to go on? Just do it. We are getting ready to install high-definition speakers. So you never have to miss any of the conviction that God's trying to put on your life so he can heal you, so he can deliver you, so he can save you, so he can bless you. Let's clap our hands all across this building. Let's magnify God. To understand, to understand how powerful this scripture is, you have to have been to Jordan. My wife and I were on the tour bus. There was already hundreds and hundreds of people that were already there. In fact, in two years, we're getting ready to take a tour to the Holy Land right here out of Cornerstone. And so uh, start saving your pennies. 
and saving your shekels. Somebody say praise the Lord. Well, see, there's a couple things about Jordan that you don't, you don't, you don't know. Yeah, we are going to go to the Holy Land because there's some people that have never seen this stuff. You may not want to go, but there's a lot of people that actually want to see the Jordan. It is muddy. It's not clear like the rivers of Damascus. It's not, it's not clear like the creeks and the river bottoms that flow from Hebron. It's not, it's not clear like the runoff that comes off Sinai. It, it flows from the Sea of Galilee down to the Salt Sea, which is the lowest river on earth. The River Jordan is the lowest river on earth earth but you're going to have to humble yourself ma'am you're going to have to humble yourself and say God I'm ready to get low I want my healing I'm willing to do whatever I got to do I'm going to get off my highfalutin religiosity and my sphere of criticism and I'm ready to get low the river Jordan is the lowest river in the world and it's dirty it's mighty clap your hands and give God the praise just how bad you want the backsliders? Just do it. Whatever the man of God says. You're kidding. I think I can handle my problem just one more day. I think I can handle just a little more internet pornography, just a little bit more gambling. Just a little bit. Maybe there's some people that are drinking on the side, smoking on the side, doing things. All of that is your way of being able to cope with the issue that God came to heal. Oh, I think I can handle one more day. I think I can handle it one more day. I think I can handle it one more day. Just go get a big meal. Just go home. I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to face it. But honey, when it's incurable, when your fingers are threatening to fall off and your nose is fixing to fall off and your ear is fixing to fall off and you got a big white spot now on your forehead and you got a, a spot on your hand, you got that constant reminder, I'm incurable. I can't get away from this. I can't fix myself. I can't heal myself. What are you waiting on? Just do it! If the Bible says that you're supposed to be baptized in Jesus' name, I don't care what denomination you were baptized in. If you were baptized in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it's why you didn't get delivered. That's why you didn't get healed. That's why your broken heart remains. That's why you need to be set at liberty. That's why you're still bruised. That's why your inner child is still grieving. There's no move of the Holy Ghost because it doesn't come from some little scripture from a denomination. It comes from obedience. Then said Peter, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Christ for the remission of sins. Somebody clap your hand. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit playing games. I'm going to quit hiding and seek. I'm going to go ahead and do it God's way. I'm going to go ahead and obey the man of God. That's why your marriage ain't healed. That's why your mind's not healed. That's why your soul's not healed.
got a got a Jordan. Jordan. Why do I have to go to Jordan? Because he's the pastor in Cheney, that's why. You gotta go to see Brother Jordan. Devil, that one's for you. You can't stop this man. There's no force in darkness that can stop this man. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, just do it. Quit arguing. Quit fussing. Quit trying to find a way out. Quit calling your ex-pastor. Just do it. why some of you aren't blessed is you fuss with your husband. It comes in cycles. And the Bible said that we should live in peace with our husband or our wives, that we might be heirs of the grace of this life together. But see, when you fuss, and there's a spirit of antagonism there, then your prayers never make it to the throne. That's in the Bible. I got scripture for that. It doesn't matter how good you look here today. It doesn't matter if every hair is in place. It doesn't matter how neat and squeaky clean we are. What God really wants to know is, when this man of God that I sent to Spokane, when he preaches it, will you do it? Are you going to say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about this. and I don't know about that. All God's waiting is for you to make up your mind. I'm going to do it. God said it. That settles it. That settles it. Come on, everybody. That settles it. Clap your hands. Come on, Naaman. Go down. Lower yourself. Humble yourself. Get in the lowest point on earth and say, I'm going to finally do it God's way and come out whole. Come out healed. Come out in remission. Come out with power. Come out with glory. Clap your hands. Let's all stand and clap your hands. Stand to your feet and clap your hands. Clap your hands. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what God said. I'm going to pay my tithes. I'm going to give my building offering. I'm going to give an offering. I'm going to do it. man on the top wouldn't do it on his own. He had to be convinced by people that were slaves. I ain't listening to these people. You kidding me? They're just a bunch of greasy slaves. How bad you want your healing, big guy? You gonna wait till your nose falls off, your ears fall off? And you're living in now, you're living in a community of lepers where nobody sees the light of day. Nobody sees their family anymore. Nobody has a hope of getting married again. Nobody has a hope of a decent average life again. Pastor, I was baptized in my denominational church. Great. 
They didn't baptize you in Jesus' name because that only happens in one kind of church. You see, we're not the, we, don't, we don't come out of the 4th and 5th century where there was a hybrid of political power and religiosity, which became the birthplace of the Catholic Church. You have to understand that all denominations that are Trinitarian are all going back to Rome. They are all going back to Rome. Don't say I'm from Rome. I'm from Jerusalem, the mother of us all. I was born of the water. I was born of the Spirit. I was baptized in His name. There is none other 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 name. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Clap your hands. Just do it. A few years back, there was a transvestite that came to this church. I talked about this on Wednesday. There was a transvestite that came to this church that said, I want to be saved. And when I took the pulpit, I didn't get a bunch of scriptures against homosexuality. I didn't get a bunch of scriptures and start pounding on abominable works. That's idiotic. That's what people that have no wisdom do. When you have grace, you're saying, I'm going to try to get this guy out. I'm not going to pound him where he is. I'm going to throw you a lifeline. And I said, then Peter said unto them, repent. And before that service was over, he just did it. He did it. He went down in the name of Jesus. And his aids went into remission. Clap your hands and give God praise. Just do it. If the man of God says live holy, just do it. If the man of God says be faithful, just do it. If the man of God preaches out of the book, just do it. My mom after my older sister came into the truth, my little brother came into the truth. And I came into the truth. I started calling my mom every day. Hi, Mom. This is me again. You need the Holy Ghost, Mom. Mom, no, Mom, don't hang up. I'd call back, and she wouldn't answer. And then I'd get real sneaky how I'd call. I'd call earlier than she'd ever expect me. I'd say, Mom, don't hang up. you got to understand the change that God did in my life. Seven years. seven years she was diagnosed with lung cancer she finally said I'll do it she was baptized in Jesus name her cancer went into remission I can't tell you how many cases I've seen where people just do it because it's in the word of God and it's thus saith the Lord and it's from the man of God and God said because you obey 
because you obey. Let's lift our hands all across this building. Let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. I'm inviting the singers to come up. Let's begin to praise you. Come on. You're in this building right now. You came here today thinking, I'm going to hear something a little different, but I'm not really anticipating anything, and I'm not really prepared to do anything. But God is here today, and he's saying, just do it. Just do what's right. Just do what's in the book. Just do what's preached. Just do what the man of God says. If you need your healing, come on. If you need your miracle, come on. If you need salvation, come on. If you need regeneration, come on. If you need restoration, come on. If you need liberation, come on. Let's go. Come on, Cornerstone, I need to help you're looking into the eyes of your dear friend that thinks you're going to live with this for the rest of your life but God's saying not today today I'm here to lighten the load and set you free come on visit a friend this service is for you 